Hey, welcome back to Cunningham's Law Review, where we have a bonus episode for you during this, our week off from our normal schedule. We'll be back on the 16th to talk about all the music of the last 100 years, but for today, we want to talk about an issue facing the musicians of the modern era. Our guest today is Austin Roby, co-founder of the music co-op Ampled. Ampled is a cooperative that thinks the artistic platforms we rely on, like Spotify and Patreon, provide rewards disproportionately to investors instead of creators. It's an issue that many artists are facing as their incomes have been squeezed by the COVID-19 pandemic reducing touring, and Ampled is providing a unique solution. Austin, uh, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. My name is Austin Roby. I'm a co-founder of Ampled, A-M-P-L-E-D.com, and we are a platform that allows for direct community support of musicians on a recurring basis. One way to think about it, if you're familiar with Patreon, is kind of like a Patreon-like service for musicians that's collectively owned and controlled by the musicians and workers. We've actually taken a slightly unorthodox step in the um, incorporation and organization of the platform and made it into a cooperative. So the platform itself is a co-op collectively owned by artists and workers on a one member, one share, one vote basis. So there's no outside ownership from any outside investors, no venture capital, no traditional venture capital or outside ownership. We own it, collectively owned. And the idea is basically to capture value that is traditionally extracted from both musicians and from tech workers. So we're hoping that the the co-op model is a structural way to to guardrail against uh, any kind of exploitation and making sure the value is captured and not extracted. Yeah, that's really interesting. I heard you mention Patreon there. Uh, How do you feel that they extract value that, I mean, if you're paying Patreon, you assume a cut goes to Patreon. So where does that value end up? Because it doesn't always end up in the hands of the performers or the musicians. Or No one would ever be knocked forever uh, creating a, a Patreon page. And I think you can make a strong case that it's definitely a net positive that it exists. I think where it gets troubling is when you look at the economic kind of like underpinnings and incentive structure underneath it all. So there's 200 million dollars plus, maybe it's 250 million, but who's counting, uh, that's been <laughs> invested into the company. For people like Thrive Ventures, like owned by Joshua Kushner, and these investors want a huge return. And it's important to understand that a return only happens when the company is sold or goes public. So that's what the company is pushed towards. When you think about now a self-reported like over a billion dollar valuation, the question really is just pretty simple. It's who created that value and who's getting it? Well, the answer is the investors get it. Like that, that is all owned by the investors and, and the founders, which have a minority stake. The investors definitely own way more collectively than anyone else. So it's a platform owned and controlled by investors. Investors get the upside of the value of the ownership of the company, uh, and they ultimately have a say in the fate, which the artists don't. And that's kind of the crux of like the thesis of Ampled, which is one, like ownership is valuable. So let's keep that. Decision-making capacity exists because of ownership. And when you have investors that are incentivized to extract value from or, or money from the artists using the platform, you have this inherent misalignment of interest. And so 
a platform and a company will always serve its shareholders. So the idea is make the artists the shareholders. I think that's a good point. You can really have a clear-cut example of Patreon uh, not having value without the without the artists that would make it a valuable place because there could be another Patreon made tomorrow, and I'm sure there are. I mean, you have other examples like OnlyFans or different performer-slash-artist-centric models. If those performers and artists were not a part of it, there would be no traffic on that site. There would be no value there. So, I mean, the value right there is very clearly... Uh, put in by the artists and performers that are a part of it. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're bringing their audiences on. I'll put it this way. is like, here's where it gets concerning when you don't have a say in the fate of something that your creative practice may hinge on or your living or your income. TechCrunch wrote that the most likely scenario for an exit for Patreon, their investors would be an acquisition if it doesn't go public to Google, aka YouTube, or Facebook, aka Instagram. It's just a question for anyone that joined or considered is considering joining Patreon is, would you want your creative practice owned by Google? Would you want it owned by Facebook? Well, it's a serious possibility if you join Patreon. And vice versa, if Patreon sells itself to the public markets, consider that a dentist in Arizona who owns like Vanguard may own more of your creative practice than you do. That's a good point. I mean, if you buy an index stock, you get a tiny, tiny portion of anything. So yeah, they would literally have more of an interest business-wise than you do. And that's kind of a ridiculous concept. Um, how does Ampled kind of, how does Ampled kind of fix that? Or how does Ampled uh, seek to kind of balance the scales? We're trying to rethink ownership structures um, within tech. You know, we're, we're far more reliant on this platform economy. And if you look at what kind of fortunes have been built, it's been built off the backs of communities. It, it's, it's really a simple concept and just rethinking and realigning ownership structures. Ownership is collective and it's for the people that are actually using and relying on platforms. Then you can avoid kind of that misalignment where you were talking about where investors have a different you know, set of values than the performers would and the consumers would. That's definitely, that's a big deal. How does the artist get value out of Ampled instead of uh, Spotify, for example? I'll just explain a bit how it works. So we, we have um, our kind of like constitution of the organization, and our, our bylaws, and our bylaws are amendable. And they are written now so that any artist that joins Ampled and gets 10 supporters on the platform becomes an equal co-owner. So that's how we set it up. And it really is much more analogous to the way Ampled works to Patreon than something like Spotify. So we, although artists post audio content, they can also post image, text, video content as well, either public or gated for their supporters only. And anyone can support an artist directly um, for... Uh, whatever they would want, every artist support what you want with a $3 a month floor. So although you can post audio post on Ampled, I don't know if it would be really fair to describe it as a streaming platform. Um, sure. It's much more um, like a direct patronage or membership platform. That's really interesting. And I definitely understand why you would uh, want to create something like this. It's really interesting to look back at the history of music and the arts and things like that, where you literally had patronage, like what Patreon is named for, where you would have the aristocracy almost kind of 
patronizing these artists and you know funding their livelihood michelangelo a lot of big artists were like that and so it was almost like a competition between the aristocracy to like have the best artist and so you would have this huge incentive for them to let the artists do what they wanted but because they believed in their art i mean mozart like a whole lot of old classical music and art comes from this line and it's really interesting that we're democratizing this process at Ampled to kind of bring that model back because we have been in a weird blip of history where recorded music has been a thing that was saleable. The records that we review normally on on the show are, I mean, from the 1920s, we're literally talking about the technology that Thomas Edison invented to record music. But that was the first time where anyone could perform once and sell that performance more than once. David Byrne did a really good article about it that's great, talking about how this may not have been a sustainable thing. He was talking about now that CDs were dying, that, and this is, you know, like 10 years ago, you were going to have this really big change and we were going to go back to live performance being the income generator for musicians. And I think we kind of reached that point, but then COVID happened. Now it's almost as if they've had the legs cut off. Now the musicians have had the arms cut off where they can't perform, they can't tour, CDs don't sell like they used to, and you get, you know, I mean, UMass says you get .0038 cents, I believe, per stream. So, you know, that's that's pretty rough to try and make a living on. The model is going to have to change, I think. And uh, the, the way I see it is there, there may not be just like one catch-all solution, and I hope that Ample can be part of a suite of solutions out there. Like we just don't know when this will will end, you know, to the you know, to the point of people hoping for this being some kind of watershed moment that leads to something else afterwards, um, like new models, new forms of value generation, value sharing. That's kind of like the bigger picture that we hope for at Ampled is, you know, if we can if we can prove out this model that it is totally possible to resource build and grow a platform without traditional venture capital funding and have it be owned by users and workers, then we'd love to see more people follow that path. And I think, yeah, we'd love to see a, a world where musicians carry ownership, not only in the platform economy, but in live music. I'd love to see musician-owned cooperative venues as well, like what comes after 2020. Um, I think there's you know, a lot of pain now, but a lot to hopefully be excited about. Yeah, I think Anthony Kiedis said, that destruction leads to a very rough road, but it also breeds creation in that song, Californication. And I think he's 100% right there. And unfortunately, this is a very destructive time, but maybe that will lead to some positive ends. We have to be, I think, a little bit more optimistic. I'm really excited about that. So would you say that Ample's been succeeding in your mission so far? Yeah, I mean, our, our mission is to make music more equitable for artists and to operate in a way that's sustainable and transparent. And we're very new. Um, we have a few hundred artists that have signed up, sending several thousands of dollars a month to, to artists. We have one artist that's paying her rent. So that oh, to me feels awesome. like a one um, successful milestone. And um, yeah, we're just getting started. I think maybe our, our best accomplishment so far is bringing on nearly 30 people working on the platform. We have former Kickstarter employees, former Patreon employees former Spotify employees as well that for the most part are musicians too and have worked in tech and want to um, build something that's towards a social good and an alternative to kind of like traditional tech 
culture. It's a little bit of like our way of finding ways to build without um, a bunch of financial capital um, that would seek a big return and, and kind of like possibly corrode um, our, our interest. Um, so I, I'm, I'm proud of all the people uh, working on Ampled. Um, we have 19 worker owners now and then several more probationary worker owners. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing it. There's nothing stopping us now. Um, and we're just going to keep moving forward. I think we might, you know, grow at a more um, organic pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, one of the benefits of cooperatives is that they are such resilient businesses. You know, if you just think about a business that 100 people believe in or a business that 100 people are working on, you know, which one is the most likely to succeed and survive? Yeah. I mean, when the people are going to dig in and really do their best, it's going to be from a, it's going to be from a seat of belief rather than a seat of a paycheck. Yeah. I think there's this like cultural just, wins at this behind the sales too. If you look at, you know, union and musicians and allied workers, um, music workers alliance, there's, there's a push towards organization and, you know, not only challenging kind of like existing power structures, but building new ones. I mean, I think you got some good news yesterday in the kind of way that those works are paying off. What what's going on? You know, I mentioned that we've kind of, we've been resourcing uh, this company as alternatives to venture capital with kind of like collective labor as a resource. So we treat labor as a, a type of investment. We have a lot of people working nights and weekends. But one of the early kind of like bets we were making was hoping that people would find what we're doing interesting enough to support it. And cooperatives are unique because they're not nonprofits. They're for-profit enterprises, but they're unique in that they're excluded from most traditional for-profit and nonprofit sources of funding. It's hard to get grants if you're a for-profit company. We uh, we were lucky enough to find some organizations that support us. So we've gotten uh, a grant from um, an initiative called Grant for the Web, which is backed by Coil, uh, Mozilla, and Creative Commons. And then more recently a grant from an organization in Los Angeles called Center for Cultural Innovation. So we do have support. We have Runway. We also um, participated and got investment through a group called Start.coop, which is an accelerator program that that helps incubate uh, cooperatively owned businesses. And you guys are certified as a co-op now, right? We are part of the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops as of last month. The United Musicians and Allied Workers uh, recently put out a call for artists to sign a petition uh, as they would like to um, negotiate with Spotify to raise streaming rates. And currently they project that streaming rates on average are 0.0038 cents uh, per stream. Um, Is that a livable wage? I think the question is more, does the model work? So I am a part of the Union of Musicians and Allied Workers. Um, i do participate in their um, streaming subcommittee. Um, But I'll speak more on behalf of me personally um, than on behalf of the group. But I I think that um, it's interesting to see some of the responses saying, you know, the demand of one cent per stream that could never work. Spotify could never be profitable doing that. But I think like so much of the critiques just internalize the acceptance of this model. and this totally arbitrary pricing of nine ninety nine a month, and who came up with that? 
I think it illustrates that the model itself really doesn't work. I personally feel like it just might violate the laws of thermodynamics. Like, how can you build something like this and properly value the cultural producers that make it all possible? Yeah, I think you're probably right that it violates the laws of thermodynamics because they have not turned a profit at all. I mean, I just looked at their earnings for this week and uh, I think they lost another 400 million ish over the last uh, quarter. It's it's insane. And they're talking already about raising prices um, again. So they've done it in a lot of markets already across the globe, but they're talking about raising the individual plan from the uh, 999 that you're talking about to, uh, I think, a dollar more, at least for now. But yeah, it's uh, they're not making money, and but 0.0038 cents per stream, that's a pretty low valuation for what the artists are contributing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, the, uh, the demands on transparency, I think, are particularly important. It's just tough to find a solution to something that may be just um, conceptually broken to begin with. I do, on a broader level, support musicians organizing together and making demands, despite how reasonable other people might find them to be. Hopefully it gets people to actually question the model itself. Yeah, if you guys can kill Live Nation next, that would be great. Well, I do appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for sitting down with us and uh, giving us all your insight on this big change going on in the music market and the music industry right now. We definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I have one thing to plug, which if, um, if people are interested in Ampled and are interested in what we're doing, we have um, a new thing called community memberships of the co-op. So we've opened up memberships of the co-op outside of workers and artists. So you can support the platform itself in a similar way to supporting an artist and get actual voting rights and board representation as a community member. You can go to ample.com slash community and support the platform directly and participate and be a part of what we're building together. That's amazing. Definitely encourage anyone out there to support this platform. Thank you very much, Austin. I really appreciate your time. Yeah.